0: What a Savior. What a redeemer. Lord, we just uh, just don't have the words. to thank you for what you've done for us. Perfect plan at the perfect time, executed by a perfect God on our behalf. I'm asking you to look in our hearts today and see the gratitude. We're all in. We're all yours. Thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for this day of celebration. It is all yours. We pray in your name. Amen. Well, happy Easter, family. Uh, what a season of hope. And I'll tell you, I can't think of an Easter in my lifetime where we had a bigger need for hope than right now. And that's good because that's what Easter is all about. I can't think of a time in recent memory where we were at a bigger need for a breath of life to be breathed in in the human spirit. I mean, there's a lot of people struggling right now, a lot of people who, you know, uh, just a year ago were on solid ground, and today they find themselves in circumstances they could have never predicted or never believed. I mean, we got a lot of people that are, uh, you know, worried and anxious, even afraid of the future. We got a lot of weight on us right now. Um, People are thinking about decisions they made last year, wondering what those decisions are going to look like a year from now. And listen, nobody wants hard times to come. Nobody wants challenging times to come into their life. But we know they always do come. And when they come, they cause us to stand back and ask the question, what am I really counting on? I mean, really. Have I set my life up on such a rock-solid foundation that when circumstances beyond my control, which we're in right now, are are not going to shake me? That's why this Easter is so special this year. Because it's a season this weekend that you and I gather together, social media gathering, but we still gathered together to remember the only hope we have that's capable of sustaining human life no matter what happens. I mean, no matter what happens. Listen, they didn't get together for the last 2,000 plus years uh, on Easter Sunday morning to praise uh, the stock market has risen. It has risen indeed. haven't gathered for 2,000 years to praise the dollar has risen or employment has risen or uh, the number of masks and ventilators have risen. No, the hope that has held human beings together for over 2,000 years across continents and cultures, the same hope that's got them through despair and, and hardship and poverty and disease and pain and even death is this hope. Christ is risen. Family, I said Christ is risen, and when I was a kid growing up, when my preacher said on Easter Sunday morning, Christ is risen, the entire church answered him, he is risen indeed. So I'm going to give you a chance to do that at home this morning. I'm going to say that again, and then you speak into the TV or the computer or the phone, whatever you're watching on, he is risen indeed. Are you ready, church family? Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. Awesome. And that's that's, uh, what moves us today. And hopefully it changes us because it changes everything. For example, it changes your worth. I mean, you're worth a bunch, dead or alive. I don't know if you knew that or not, and that never fluctuates. I, I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with people over the last two weeks, two or three weeks, where they've said to me, "My my net worth is down thirty percent of what it was last year. My, I, I'm worth half of what I was last year." <laughs> no, you're not. Not even close. One year ago today, you were worth the life of God's one and only Son, and you're still worth that today, and you'll still be worth that tomorrow because of the Easter story. He is risen. He is risen indeed, right. Now, what I want, my point this morning is some things like this move us for a while. I mean, Easter is a moving time, and some things like this change us forever. And I want to know what Easter is going to do to you this year. Revelation chapter 3, verse 15, Jesus said, you're either hot or cold. You're one or the other. You're either for me or against me, but you make up your mind. Because if you stay in the middle on this thing, if you're lukewarm when it comes to me, Jesus says, I'm going to spit you right out of my mouth. And if you read the crucifixion account, you'll see I don't blame him a bit for saying that. Here's what I want to do with your family for uh, the time we have left. I want to go back to the first Easter and look at three stories and see how the The Easter message changed their lives. Now, there's two and a half million people there then. We're just going to look at three of them. And I'm praying that as we do this, I know you got your Bibles out. You're going to follow along in the text this morning. I'm hoping this is a wake-up call for us. This is a wake-up for us as Christians and as Americans. I mean, I'm doing Easter sermon from a table with a cup of coffee. This is wake-up time. Remember what Beth Moore said? I think I mentioned it three weeks ago when this all started. She said, God's saying, oh, you want to worship sports? I'll shut them down. You want to take church for granted? I'll close the doors. You want to put all your hope in money? I'll take it away from you. This, this is a wake-up call. And I'm praying as we go through the Scripture this morning that we can wake up again and make Jesus the Lord and Savior of our life every day. Not just on Sundays, not two or three times a month, but every day. And man, am I praying if you're listening today and you haven't pulled the trigger on making Him your Lord, that today's the day you do it. I think we're running out of time. Let's do it today. I'm going to be honest with you. You can be touched by Jesus and moved, and it'll last for a while. probably get you through the COVID-19 stuff. You can be touched by Jesus and moved, and uh, you can recommit your life probably last two three months maybe. I don't know. Or you can be touched by Jesus and changed in a way that lasts for eternity, and that's what we're after. Let me show you what I mean. Let's look at our first story. It's John 18.10. It says, Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it out, and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. <laughs> That's a funny name, isn't it? Now, I know Acton's watching me this morning because he watches every week, and one of Acton's favorite stories he likes me to tell is he always says, "Papa, tell the Indian story. It's about a little Indian that came up to his dad one time, and he said, Daddy, how did you come up with my name? And he said, well, son, when your sister was born, we looked out the window, and we saw this deer running through the woods, and so we named your sister Running Deer. When your brother was born, we looked out at the edge of the woods, and there standing right at the edge of the woods was a, a bear standing, and we named your brother Standing Bear. What, why do you ask, Pooping Dog? <laughs> Funny name. Malchus, Pooping Dog. That's for you acting uh, happy Easter, brother. But, I mean, we don't even know this guy's name until we get to John chapter 18, verse 10. And John doesn't even talk about Jesus putting the guy's ear back on. Neither does Mark or Matthew, by the way. All they tell us about is Peter cutting the guy's ear off. Only Luke, Dr. Luke, takes the time to tell us about the healing in chapter 22, verse 50 of Luke. And then one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. But Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. I don't know, maybe Luke brought this up because he's a doctor and that's what doctors like to talk about. And maybe the other disciples didn't bother to bring it up because there's so much important things going on that they didn't think it was important enough to stop and tell you about the healing. I don't know. What do you think? Do you think it's very important? I'll tell you this much. It was important to Malchus. It mattered to Malchus. Changed this guy's life forever. I mean, here's a soldier just like us doing his job. Uh, This is just a routine bust but it could have been his last one, because while he's arresting Jesus, this crazy fisherman pours a sword out of his belt and cuts his ear off. Now, he's, he's going for his head, but he's a fisherman. He's not very good at the sword. That's a bad day. Now, if you're home sitting, and you're still in Luke chapter 22, what comes next? Well, Peter gets yelled at, Malchus gets healed, and we read the next paragraph. But I'm telling you, that's not the way it is for Malchus. This this is a lot bigger story than that for Malchus. This guy got touched by Jesus Christ and had to decide, is this going to be a moving experience for me, or is this going to be a life-changing experience for me? Now, I'm sure he's also wondering what we're wondering. Why in the world did Jesus take the time to do that? I mean, this is one of the most important times in human history, and Jesus stops to heal this guy's ear. I mean, maybe one healing for the road or something. I don't know. Why do you think he did that? Well, commentaries kind of split on this, uh, two big possibilities. One, they say is, Jesus did this to stop a riot. The redemption plan had been around for a long time. It's a perfect plan. In fact, it was put into place before time began, according to Second Peter chapter one verse nine, or Second Timothy chapter one, verse nine. And if a riot breaks out, one or two of the, uh, the future apostles might have got killed, and that wouldn't have been good. Or even worse, Jesus might have been prematurely killed, and if that happened, there would have been no cross and no redemption. And so Jesus stopped the riot so that wouldn't happen. That makes sense to me. One of the other possibilities I read, I think it was Barclay, he said that Jesus did this to save Peter's life. That if he had not stopped this, there would have probably been four um, crosses at Calvary instead of three. So he did it to save Peter. That makes sense, too. But I think maybe there's at least one other possibility. Maybe Jesus did this because that's just what Jesus does. You know what I mean? Some people just do what they do, and there's no real logical explanation for it. I'll give you an example. My wife will not leave the house until the beds are made. Never. I mean, ever, under any circumstances. We were almost late for my ordination service because we had to make the bed first. Now, there can be dishes in the sink. Not very often, sweetie. Or or maybe some clothes laying around on the floor. The kids are over the night before and they got uh, socks and stuff laying around. That's okay. But we will not leave the house till the bed's made. Why? I don't know why. It's just Angie. No explanation. Jackie Goss sticks her foot in her mouth at least once a week. Why? I don't know. It's just Jackie. It's just who she is. You know, uh, Christy Webster's a stooge. We call her a stooge. I don't know. know. It's just who she is. I mean, do you know there's people in this church that serve and never let anybody know? Do you know that we've got some huge givers in this church financially? They don't want anybody to know. Why is that? I don't know. It's just who they are. Susan Trulock called me up last week and went on and on and on about the online services. And again, I'm so thankful that they're all doing this. I mean, I certainly couldn't do this. But she was going on about the music and the sermon, and her her voice cracked, and she just went on and on. And she's just an encourager. That's who she is. It's just Bob White's character that causes him to take every job in the church on to make sure it gets done. It's just who he is. Dropping everything to help somebody out, that's just who Leon is. Mark Freeman, Jeff Kane, I can name a dozen other people. It's no explanation. It's who they are. Danny Trulock came over last week to fix my lawnmower, and we practiced social distancing. We sat about six feet apart and talked for a little bit. And he said, you know, I am so glad that you're attacking Crawl Dad and Melvin Williams from the, the, he didn't mean pulpit, he meant table, every week. And uh, he said, keep it up. I said, okay, why? He said, well, because that means you're leaving me alone. Now, what causes a man like that to throw his friends under the bus? I don't know. There's no explanation. It's just who Danny is, you know what I mean? I can't tell you how many times in the last 32 years I've had somebody come up to me and say, what is it about the people at South Union Christian Church? They're so real. They're so appealing. I don't know. I mean, it's just who they are. And here's Malchus. He sees this man, Jesus, in the worst predicament of his life. A man who's pretty soon going to be spit on and mocked and ridiculed and finally killed. Uh, and he knows that's coming. And it still can't stop his capacity to love somebody. Why? It's just who Jesus is. That's just who he is. With Jesus Christ, it's always God first, people second, and himself last. And Malchus has this Jesus touch him, and somebody asks him why. He says, Who cares why? I got touched by Jesus Christ, and it's changed my life forever. Now, history tells us that Malchus became a disciple. From Roman soldier to disciple. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us that. We don't hear another word about him in the Bible. But reliable historical accounts tell us he served Jesus Christ till the day he died. And you can believe that or not believe that. But one way or another, I'll tell you this. From this moment on, every time that guy saw a sword, every time he got a haircut, every time he touched his ear, he remembered the day that Jesus Christ touched him. And he had to decide, is this going to move me? Or is this going to change me? And I know some of you in here, some of you watching, some of you in here too, but some of you watching have been touched by Jesus over the years because I was there with you. Some of you have had a heart attack, should have killed you, but it didn't. Some of you have had cancer, should have taken you out, but there you sit. Some of you have had marriages that there's no way they could have been put back together. And not only are they back together, but you're on fire for the kingdom. On and on and on, I've seen stories like that. And every time it happens, you had to ask yourself, are we going to be moved for a time by this? Or are we going to be changed forever? Now, somebody probably says, hey, preacher, what do you mean by how about us? I mean, we're Christians here. This is a good message for an unbeliever. What do you got for believers this morning? I'm glad you asked. Let's look at our second text. It's the story of Peter in Mark chapter 1, verse 7. I'm sorry, 16, verse 1. I was close. Mark 16, verse 1. When the Sabbath was over... As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified? He is risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him? But go tell his disciples and Peter and Peter to go on ahead of you into Galilee, and there you will see him. Now, we've talked about this over the years before. Uh, Peter is such a, a favorite Bible character of so many people. And I don't know what it is about him. Maybe it's because he did so little with uh, so much with so little. I mean, we're talking about a fisherman here, and yet he's the first man to walk on the water, first man to identify Jesus as the Son of God. He was the first one to go into the empty tomb, first one to preach a gospel message, first man to pastor a 2,000-plus member church in Jerusalem, wrote two books in the New Testament. He did a lot for the kingdom of God. But, you know, I think the reason most of us see, Peter's one of our favorites, is because Peter was so much like us. Always goofing up, always making a mistake, and always being picked back up by the Lord. I mean, one minute, his faith is so strong, he's walking on water. I mean, that's an amazing story. I don't know how long ago since you've read that. But he's walking on the water one minute, and the next minute, he's crying like a baby, save me, save me. And I don't know about you, but that sounds very familiar to me. One minute, he's got so much courage, he pulls his sword out, and takes on a whole battalion of soldiers. It took a lot of guts. And then just a few hours later, he swears up and down, he doesn't even know who Jesus Christ is. Such a chicken. I mean, lots of bold, unbelievable faith one minute, and completely bankrupt the next. And people identify with that kind of stuff, because that's who we are. For the umpteenth Sunday in a row, Mrs. Youngston came to her preacher and said, you're going to have to pray for me, I mean right now. Well, he knew what it was because she asked him every week. And he said, sweetheart, what do you want me to pray about? She said, my husband says, that if I don't quit coming to this church, he's going to kill me. He said, honey, we talk about this every Sunday. We talked about it last week, the Sunday before that, and the Sunday before that. Your husband's not going to kill you. God is taken care of you, and I'll pray for you again today. And she said, I know, but today, he told me, if I don't stop coming to this church, he's going to kill you too. He said, sweetie, maybe it's time for you to try that little church down the road. And that's us. I mean, one minute we had this bold faith, God can do anything. And the next minute we're scared to death. That's why we love verse six. Don't just stand there, ladies. Go tell the disciples and make sure you tell Peter. You know the Peter, the guy that uh, swore up and down that I was uh, his faithful savior in the next minute, but by the way he lived his life, you can't even tell I was part of it. You tell that Peter, he's still on the team. You tell that, Peter, that the gospel message, the message of Easter, is the message of a second chance. I got to tell you something. That's a treasure to me. Because the only thing I have in common with a great guy like Peter besides a big mouth is a desperate need for a second chance. And that's what the Easter message is all about. Jesus makes it crystal clear that if you play for his team, Team Grace, you can drop the ball 70 times seven and still be a prime time player. Well, did Peter get moved by this for a while? Did it change his life? Peter went back and preached the second chance gospel all the way to Roman back. Ridiculed I don't know how many times. Beat up several times. Thrown in prison quite a few times. And was finally crucified upside down for his belief in a God that would never give up on him. And that same promise is for everybody here listening today. And so again, I ask you, is that going to move you again? Because it's Easter and it's such a moving time. Or is that going to change your life forever? One last life, quickly. Matthew 27, verse 15. This is the story of Barabbas and what Easter meant to him. Now, it was the governor's custom at the feast to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. At that time, they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked them, "'Which one do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who's called the Christ?' for he knew it was out of envy that they had handed Jesus over to him. While Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him this message. Don't have anything to do with that innocent man. I've suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and have Jesus executed. Which of the two do you want me to release to you, asked the governor. Barabbas, they answered. Let me ask you something. Do you think he was touched by Jesus on Easter 2,000 years ago? I think it moved him or changed him? I was telling you last week about my dad, and I can't wait for you to meet him. He's still the greatest man I've ever met. And uh, I forgot to tell you last week about my dad, by the way. I never heard him cuss. Can you imagine? I think he's the only guy I know that I've never heard cuss one time. He, when he'd get real mad, my dad would say, oh, well, shoot. But he never cussed, you know what I mean? But the, the other thing I, I want to tell you about my dad is he's probably the most generous man I ever met. Not just with uh, his family, but with everybody. In fact, uh, about thirty-two years ago, Angie and I had this five-acre plot next door to Ken and Claudia, where we're at now, and uh, it was part of their property. And the bank said we could have it for twenty-five hundred dollars. And we didn't have $2,500. I didn't have $25. But my dad, who had been retired for about three years from Kroger, 42 years at Kroger, was living on $400 a month pension from Kroger and Social Security and preaching part-time. Um, he had $3,000 in the bank. You know, I talk to people today, and you know, if they don't have three, four, five hundred thousand dollars $500,000 in their 401K, they don't see how they could retire. But God was taking care of him. Anyway, he's got $3,000 in the bank. He took $2,500 and gave that to me. And don't you know, lots of times now when I walk on my property, I think about that. I know you're probably thinking, what is this, Cain? This is Easter. You're going to tell another daddy story? I mean, we all know the Bible, the principle is more blessed to give than to receive. I I think that's the point I'm trying to make. I'm not talking about my dad and giving, I'm talking about me and taking. Because all of us are good at giving. That's fun, makes us feel good to give. It's the taking part that most of us have a problem with. That can be a pride buster. We all want to think that we earn everything we get. But not Barabbas. He's smarter than that. As far as we know, he took this sudden gift of freedom, no questions asked. Jesus offered it, and he took it. And I think we can learn from that in a big way. All of us in here, all of us out there, know that we're saved by grace. But I have to talk about it all the time. We have to remind ourselves all the time, because if we're not careful, we find ourselves trying to earn this. Oh, if I just work harder, if I just do more here, if I just do more there, if I just stop sinning here, maybe I can become worthy of what Jesus Christ has given me. If you're thinking that way this morning, can I just politely ask you, are, are you crazy? I mean, are you, are you drinking? Are you, what's going on here? I mean, you, you just read the account. Do you think you and I can ever become worthy of what Jesus has done for us? No. I think sometimes as veteran Christians, and some of us have been established Christians for a long time, we prefer to sing the songs like Onward Christian Soldiers, Marching As to War, because we're serving and we want to feel like we're earning what we got going. But I'm going to be honest with you. I think we do a whole lot better service to ourselves and the people around us, and especially to Jesus. If you and I would just keep singing, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, because that's the truth. I think we can learn a lot from Barabbas. He got touched by Jesus, and it changed him forever. Now, I doubt if he learned about grace that day and mercy. I doubt if he ever became a deacon. I doubt if he ever led singing at the church or preached a sermon, but I know this much for sure. Somebody opened this guy's cell door that day and told him he was free, no strings attached. The Easter thing was such a surprise to him, such an awesome touch from Christ to him, that he knew he had to make a decision, and he chose freedom. And I'm going to ask you one more time today, and then we're going to take communion as a family after I pray. What's your choice? Because we all got to hear the Easter sermon another time. It's my 62nd year to hear the Easter sermon. Might not ever get to hear it again. Uh, I think we're running low on time. But we got to hear it today. And we know it's not a fairy tale. We know better than that you wouldn't be here. God emptied himself, came down to earth in the form of his son, lived a perfect life, and died a terrible death on the cross for our sins so that everybody can have eternal life, and that's his offer. And I'm asking you, what are you going to do about it? Are you just going to let it move you again this year? Because, again, this is an exciting time of year. And then when it's over, fall right back in the same routine, struggling to find meaning, struggling to find happiness, struggling to get enough money, struggling to find life, or are we going to, like these men in these stories this morning, Let this story of Jesus Christ change us, change the way we think, change the way we love, change the way we hope, change the way we live. Jesus Christ is a gentleman. The offer is yours, but he's not going to push anybody. You get to choose. If you're watching this morning and you have not made Jesus the Lord of your life, don't let this Easter go by. 812- Three two seven six five four nine nine. Now I really sound like a TV evangelist. Please call me. let's talk this over. The offer is amazing, and you don't want it to pass by. The rest of us, I'm going to pray, and then I 'm going to go down there and take a piece of bread that represents his broken body, and now I'm going to take the cup that represents his shed blood. And today I'm going to remember just a little bit about what that meant: the, the sacrificial death. But the taking on of all of our sin just so we could live forever. What an amazing Savior. Lord, thank you so much. Uh, The thanksgiving in our heart has got to do more than what we can do with our lips. If it's not right, Holy Spirit, make it right. We can't thank you enough. We can't praise you enough. I mean, we're hell bound without you, and with you, we got eternity in our sights. Promised to us, sealed through the Holy Spirit in each one of our lives. So, Lord, the stuff that's going on right now, sure, it's a little spooky. We don't know what's happening next. But we do know that we have this day to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we do know that no matter what happens tomorrow, we're yours eternally because of him. We thank you and praise you for that and give you all the glory. It's in Christ's name.